Good morning. What a great start this morning, all the music and the videos, and <laughs> it's a great morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 27, verses 7 through 14. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. A few years ago... um I was part of this yearly yearly trip. We would take a bunch of kids to a camp in Missouri called Kids Across America, and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a wild ride, kind of getting everything there. You you'd go out into the neighborhood, and you'd I mean, we would literally kind of just round up kids, and you'd see a kid you know walking by themselves, and you're like, "Where are your parents? Let me talk to them. Hey, we want to take your kid to camp." Um, <laughs> And so we had this huge bus, um, we had this huge bus that we would just be filling up with kids and, you know, we'd have, you know, 40 spots or so and we would probably go through about 60 or 70 kids just to fill those 40 spots. They'd say they're coming and then they're not there and there were even times where things got a little crazy and maybe even like three days before um, you would see a kid and be like, where's your mom? Hey, let me talk to her. Okay, I want to take your, your kid to camp. And so we would load up this bus with all these kids, and then we would drive all the way to Missouri, and then these kids would have this, this great week of camp, and then we would all get back on the bus, and then we'd drive all the way back to Amarillo, and the, the, you know, their parents are there, and it's a great time, and uh, all of us adults that went were like, thank you, Lord, they're going home. But it was still, it was this wonderful time. And... Uh, one time we, we took this kid along with us, and uh, we'll call him Bryce. And, uh, you know, Bryce was one of those late additions. He might have even been like the day before we left for camp. I don't really um, remember and don't want to tell you exactly. But we add this kid like real close to the day we're, we're leaving for camp. And so, you know, Bryce was kind of always, uh, if you're watching, I'm sorry, kind of always a little bit of an afterthought because it's all these kids that we've been taking Oh yeah, and Bryce. And, and so we'd, we'd get everyone and we'd get together for our groups during the week and then it'd be like, oh, where's Bryce? And uh, oh, well, well, somebody forgot him, so we ended up over here and all this kind of thing. And then, um, you know, finally the last day comes and you leave at night that last day. And here are some of the kids. Uh, they're all, a lot of them are grown up now, but you're leaving that last day. And we all get on the bus and we, we start going and we're going down these country roads. I mean, you, I don't know how you can fit these buses there, but we're going down these country roads and, and we start doing the, the awards. We would give out our own awards on the bus. And then we were probably, we were probably on the award for the quietest kid or something. I don't know. 
and uh, we said, and the word for is Bryce. Oh, hi, Siri. Bryce. Bryce. We forgot Bryce. We left that poor child at camp. And uh, if you can imagine trying to turn away, one, trying to turn around one of these giant buses on an old country road with ditches on the side, that is exactly what we were doing. We were so frantic to get there. Nobody at camp was picking up their phones. Half of us didn't have cell service. We were trying to get back to go get Bryce because <clears throat> I forgot Bryce. Now, when we got there, Bryce could have been a bad sport, and, and he could have he could have, uh, you know, done, been angry. He could have been mad. He wasn't, thankfully. But he could have looked at us and he could have said, you abandoned me. You left me. You have forsaken me, if he was using some of that older language. He could have said all of those things and he would have been 100% right. Because that is exactly what we did. We forgot about him and we left him. And so he had every right, if he had wanted to, to look at us and say, you left me. We all go through hard things. Sometimes you, you go through a, a big hard thing. Sometimes it's, it's an accumulation. Um, sometimes it's just, just little griefs and little losses all along the way. And as we go through all of these things, what, what happens is we find ourselves tempted to look at God and say, you left us. You have abandoned me. You have forsaken me. I am on my own. I am alone. And today, we're going to look in Ruth chapter 2, verses 17 through 23, because Naomi is someone who knew that feeling, and she knew that feeling very well. And we're going to see how the Lord brings her through it in this passage. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we, we praise you for your word, and we ask that you would use it in our hearts today. Strengthen us and change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Ruth chapter 2, verses 17 through 23. So she, Ruth, gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley, 30 pounds. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. After Na uh, and Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young men, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young men of Boaz, <clears throat> gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is God's word. So here we see, and we, we talked about this last week, about Ruth being out in the field and coming, and Boaz coming up and meeting her, and here Ruth now returns with something like 30 pounds of barley, 
and she's got all of this extra food. And Naomi is shocked, and she breathes this sigh of relief. And when she hears where Naomi was, she says, the Lord has not forsaken us. His kindness has not forsaken us. Now why, in her relief, why would she say, God hasn't forsaken us? It's because she has felt forsaken. That's what she's been feeling. That's what she has been going through. When she talks earlier about her bitterness and how she feels empty, she feels forsaken. And so here in this moment, she says, God has not forsaken us. You can think a little bit about what that word means. That word azav, it's, it's left behind. It's abandoned. That's the word that's also used uh, in Genesis when, when God talks about how the man shall leave his father and mother, be separated from. And here she's saying, I've been, I have felt separated from God. I have felt abandoned by him. I don't feel his presence anymore. Now, when we talk about God's presence... There are two aspects that that we need to talk about. Some people will describe this as the subjective and objective presence of God. I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. Anybody want to help me out? Courtney, you want want to help me out? Okay, so Courtney, so you can just stand up where you are. So the subjective and objective presence of God, it's, it's October, it's Halloween season, right? So this is the thing that freaks a lot of people out in in. Uh, in horror movies, by the way. So the subjective presence of God is talking about this. Right now, if I come in that door and I don't have a microphone on, does she know I'm in the room? Is she aware? Right? That's the thing that freaks you out in horror movies, right? The guy's back there and he's got the knife and, and it's like, we can see him, but the person doesn't know. And you're like, turn around, right? Subjective presence. No, no, no understanding necessarily that someone's in the room. Now, subjective presence is I'm here, I'm in front of her, she can see me, she can hear me, she knows I'm in the room. But objective presence hasn't changed from here to here. The objective presence hasn't changed. The reality is I'm in the room. Thank you, Courtney. When we talk about the presence of God, we, we need to think about these two things, the subjective and the objective presence of God. We don't always feel God's subjective presence. We don't always feel His presence, right? We're not always aware of it. We see this all throughout Scripture. The psalm that we just read, Psalm 27, in verse 9, what does he say? Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. And in that reading, we see that he begins looking at at the subjective presence of God. He doesn't feel God's presence. We could think even about Martha and Mary in John chapter 11. What do they say after their brother has died and Jesus comes? What do they say to him? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Our circumstances, uh, things going on, they can cloud our awareness of God's presence. They, They can cause us to think, Lord, if you had been here, none of this stuff would have happened. You 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 left us when we needed you, and none of this stuff would have happened. Right? 
Now, sometimes the thing that clouds our awareness of God's presence is you just need a nap and a snack, right? It can be as simple as that. But there are all kinds of things. Sometimes it can be our own sin. It can be our own mistakes that are clouding uh, our awareness of God's presence. Sin has a deadening effect. It doesn't, it doesn't deaden us if you are in Christ, but it, it ha- can have that effect of clouding his presence. Look at Isaiah 64, verse 7. There is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in what? In the hand of our iniquities, right? It, that, that sin is clouding the people's awareness of God's presence, and we have seen that since the garden. That's what we have seen. Well, Ruth comes back. Ruth comes back to Naomi, and all of a sudden, Naomi, who has, has felt forsaken, says, God's kindness hasn't forsaken the living or the dead. God's kindness hasn't forsaken the living or the dead. So what changed? What changed for her? And how did it change? What changed is that through these events, all of a sudden, Naomi is reminded of the objective presence of God. She forgot that that God is in the room. She forgot that God is here with his people. But now she remembers. She begins to remember what God has promised. And now she's using God's covenant name. There are lots of different names she could have used. She's using the name that God gave his people to remember who he is by his actions, by his presence. And she is using that name and saying, the Lord's kindness hasn't forsaken us because now she remembers. You see, our subjective awareness, that awareness changes, but the objective presence of God never changes. The objective presence of God never changes. Maybe Naomi remembered these words from Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. David later on, and and you don't have these on the side, but David later on writing this psalm, Psalm 139. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And he goes on to say that not even the darkness can separate him. Not even being in the womb can separate him. Not even before conception can separate. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. You can't get away from the objective presence of God. Isaiah 41.10 says it as well. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that's even the answer to what happens in Psalm 27. If you look at that psalm, it starts, and he is struggling with this, this feeling, this awareness, that, that subjective presence of God. But how does it end? He gets down to the end, and he says, I believe that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. He is anchoring himself on the objective presence of God, that even though I don't feel him, I know he is here. 
And that's what's happening with Naomi. She is reminded of the objective presence of God. And now she has the strength to walk forward knowing that God is with her. Even even if that subjective awareness is never restored, she can keep walking forward knowing that God is with her. That's what's changed. That's what's changed. That She has shifted her gaze away from, from what she's aware of, what she can feel, into what she knows is the truth. She is trusting the promises of God that he is there. So we know what changed. And now the question is, how did it happen? Look again at verses 19 through 20. Her mother-in-law said to her, she's shocked. She says, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Some of you are going to say that to your kids after Halloween. Where, Where did you go? Got a bag full of candy. Where did you work? Where did you glean? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And she told her mother-in-law, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Did you catch it? Boaz is our relative. He is our Gaal. He is our Redeemer. He's the one who will save us. He's the one who will support us. He's the one who will take care of us. He's the one who who will bring us in. And we're going to talk more about that next week. And it's going to get a little weird next week, talking about leveret marriage and all that. But we're going to talk about that next week. But here he is. He's the Redeemer. He's the one who will save us. Naomi feels abandoned. She feels forsaken. She feels left She feels separated from the presence of God. And what does he do? He sends a redeemer. And now she knows that God never left in the first place. And what does God do for us? We feel abandoned. We feel forsaken. We we feel overwhelmed. We feel separated from the presence of God. What did God do for us? He sent a redeemer. He sent a redeemer. The one who saves us, who, who walks with us, the one, one who rescues us, who will take care of us. And we, we feel the subjective loss of God's presence, right? We feel that loss sometimes in our awareness, but the objective presence of God never changes. But Jesus knew the loss of the objective presence of God. He knew the loss of the objective presence of God. And on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me so that you and I don't have to? You never have to say those words. You can say them if you feel them, but it doesn't make them true. And then Jesus rose from the dead and he told his disciples, this is what we have in Matthew, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here's the good news. When I make bad choices, I don't get enough sleep, my body hurts, I lose someone, my awareness of God's presence may shift, okay? It, it might, let's just be real. Nobody is aware of God's presence all the time. You're not going to feel his presence all the time. We won't get that until the other side. We won't get that until we are in glory. Our awareness of God's presence may shift, but when we begin to remember the objective presence of God, when we begin to look at the Redeemer who was sent 
and remember that he is with us always, then we can begin to trust God even when we don't feel it. If circumstances can't make him leave, if sin can't make him leave, if death can't make him leave, then I can trust that he is with me. There are bad things in this world. We experience loss, pain, grief, unfairness, hunger, abuse, frustrated plans, frustrated people. We experience all kinds of things, but we know that because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, God is always with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And when you remember that, it can get you through anything. Just like this, this girl uh, was told this from some people who were involved in, um, we'll just leave it at this, helping, helping kids and young women get out of horrible situations. And they talked about this, this one um, building that they had gone in and these people came in, and they get this girl, and the whole time she's telling them, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. And they look at her bed, and right, right above her is a tiny little cross. that she had scratched in there. Small enough that no one else would see it and come and erase it. But this tiny little cross to remind her of the God who was with her. So that when rescue did finally come, in whatever form that would come, when rescue did finally come, she knew, I have not been forsaken. God is with me. And I know that the Redeemer lives, that he will come, that somehow I will experience rescue because God will never leave me. And he will never leave you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And when you begin to feel that loss, get, get it out there. Let him hear it. The Psalms have that kind of language in it. Why? Because we can get that out there before God and we can say, God, I don't feel you here. But Remember where to land it. Remember that underlying truth that God is with you. He never left and he is always there and he will always be with you even when it doesn't feel true. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you. You are with us. Lord, your kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead, and you have not hidden your face from us. Lord, you are with us. God, when we doubt, when we feel afraid, when we feel separate, help us to look to Jesus. Help us to look at the Redeemer you sent to take that separation on himself so that we never have to experience the loss of your true presence. You're always in the room. You're always near. Wherever we go, whatever we go through. And so we pray that in the, in the good times, in the hard times, in everything in between, God, we ask that you would help us to trust that promise. And Lord, we do ask that in those moments when the time is right, you will make us aware of your presence. That you will strengthen our hearts and encourage us, we pray, for today and for the days to come. It is in Jesus' name we pray these things, and all God's people said, amen. Would you please stand as we continue to worship?